Welcome to Dayspring Fellowship. Whether you are in the room live, watching live online, later on demand, or listening to our podcast, we've been praying for you to experience the life-changing power of God in your life today. I'm Chris Voigt, and I lead the team here at Dayspring. That team is made up of people committed to helping you grow. People grow here because our team loves to challenge, encourage, and equip people to become more like Jesus. If this is your first time visiting Dayspring, we want you to know that this is the kind of church where you get to be you. We're just like you, imperfect people on a journey. We're allowing Jesus to make something beautiful out of our broken and often messy lives, learning to live like Him, a little more today than yesterday, a little more tomorrow than today. Even if you aren't sure that you're ready to be on that journey with us, maybe you are skeptical about the claims of Jesus or skeptical of His followers. Well, this is still a great place, a safe place to explore and ask questions as you look for answers. We're asking those same questions and looking for answers too, so I think we can be pretty good company on your journey. You can learn more about us as a church by exploring our website at dsf.church, by checking out our Facebook page, or contacting us by phone or email. If you need help figuring out the next step to making Dayspring your home church, or if you just have questions, let us know. We'll help you find the answers. For today's service, you can find a discussion guide by selecting Watch from the top menu of our website. And now, let's join our service. Today we begin a new series that we've called Parenting, Winning the Battle for Your Child's Heart. Uh, parenting today has got to be one of the most challenging challenges you could ever take on. Not that it's been easy in other times. Parenting has always been a daunting task. But in earlier times, the values of our culture roughly matched the values in most of our homes. The messages kids received from school, television, and neighbors were better aligned than they are today. Uh, they were more consistent. And parents had better control over what messages were granted access to the home. Uh, there was general agreement that you spoke to adults with respect, treated someone else's property with respect, stealing was wrong, cheaters never prosper, hard work always pays off in the end. Uh, there was general agreement that dad and mom were the final authority in a kid's life. The forces that worked to sideline kids did most of their work in the dark. I guess that we all recognize that today that simply isn't true. Many of our institutions have been co-opted by extremists who seek to undermine much of what we care about and believe in. Social media, uh, video games, and the internet have opened our homes to a, a marketplace of competing ideas that are further indoctrinating our, the hearts and minds of our kids. Uh, many of these ideas lead kids down destructive, confusing paths. And parents, if they're even aware of these messages, are at a loss of what to do, how to help. You need only look at the kids to see the result of these confusing ideas. Down to questioning the genetic core of our physical bodies. Even Christian kids are confused about uh, every aspect of sexuality. Even Christian kids are dealing with depression and other mental health issues. The suicide rate is on the rise. Substance abuse is on the rise. Anxiety is on the rise. And by all measures, Oregon seems to be at or near the top of the list when it comes to the list to the states that with more mental health problems than solutions. 
All that to say, parenting has become one of the most challenging challenges facing families today. And we haven't even begun to talk about the crazy family dynamics we face. Though divorce among people of faith is lower today than it was, say, 20 years ago, there are still plenty of kids with multiple homes, dad's house and mom's house, single parent homes, blended family homes with his, hers, and ours, grandparents raising their grandchildren. Uh, each, of these each of these situations creates significant issues when raising kids. All that to say, in this judgment-free zone, we want to help. No parent is perfect. We all make mistakes raising kids, even pastors. Uh, I used to think at some level that good parents raised good kids and bad parents raised bad kids, to oversimplify a bit. And then our high school-aged son was arrested on felony charges for the possession of drugs within a thousand feet of a school. Our daughter Lexi decided to ignore our family values when it came to boys. From birth, I had tried to get her to understand that boys were bad until they were 25. <laughs> but my little princess just had to find her prince and almost drove us nuts in the process. As a side note, now that Avery's in kindergarten, Lexi started trying to convince her little princess that boys are bad until they're 25. So it all comes around. <laughs> and then both of our kids decided they weren't interested in God. Although Lexi has clearly come around on that one. All of that taught me that all kinds of parents raise all kinds of kids. There doesn't seem to be much rhyme or reason to it most of the time. Christian parents raise kids who reject Jesus. Non-Christian parents raise kids who embrace Jesus. So what I want you to hear dad and mom, grandma and grandpa, is that there is no judgment from this stage. None of us gets it right all of the time. Frankly, most of us don't even get it right the first time. Uh, we can all get better, and we'll work toward that together. Before we go on, let me talk to those of you who do not have kids for a moment. Uh, this is one of those series where it would be easy for you to check out for a few weeks. Like when you are single and we do a, a marriage series, or you are married and we do a singles, a dating series, or anything else like that, you know, maybe go to the beach and skip church. I want to encourage you to do the opposite of checking out. We recognize that none of this applies to you directly, but many of the principles that we will talk about have multiple applications to other parts of our lives. But even more than that, we live in community. We do life in community here at Dayspring. Our community will get healthier as our families get healthier, which will impact you. And you are in growth groups and Bible study groups and serving on teams with parents who need your encouragement. They need your advice every now and then. Even if you will never be a parent, God still gives you wisdom to speak into other people's lives. You offer a different perspective that can be incredibly valuable. Parents of adult children, you might not be actively parenting anymore, although I'm finding that you are always a parent, even when those kids become adults. But you have been there and done that, and even though the world might be a bit different today, you have wisdom to offer. It would be very helpful if your wisdom aligned with what we are teaching. And if you are not parents yet, this will prove to be very valuable in the future. There's something about starting out in the right direction that is easier than course correcting later. So please don't check out. 
you don't know how God might want to use you in the days to come. Now with that said, I think it's pretty safe to say that no one wants to be a bad parent. Uh, no one, at least none of us, has kids thinking, you know, I really want to mess this kid up for the rest of his or her life. I'd like to leave some scars that keep them in bondage for years and come to, for years to come and require years of therapy to process. You know, I think I'd like to raise a kid who walks out the door at 18 and never looks back. But it happens more often than we'd like to admit. Of course, neither does anyone have a kid thinking, I'd like to raise a kid who never moves out. But that happens too. <laughs> Every parent wants to raise healthy, whole, happy kids who are set up well to thrive in life as adults. And Christ followers want them to orient their lives as Christ followers too. No Christian parents want their kid to reject Jesus. So I think a good place to start would be to see what Jesus has to say on the subject of parenting. Sound good? And with that, we can close in prayer. I mean, can you believe it? One of the most important responsibilities that a person could have, and Jesus is completely silent on the topic. In fact, the Bible doesn't really say much at all about parenting. And most of what it does say is in the Old Testament. Two verses immediately come to mind, and both of them have been taken out of context and twisted to mean something different than, when, than what was intended by the author. First, there is Proverbs 22, 6. Direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. You might know this better from the King James Version. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. I have heard Christian parents countless times claim this verse as a promise that their wayward child will come back to Jesus. The only problem with that thought is that in context, this is a warning, not a promise. A warning that parents who allow their children to have their own way will raise adults who never depart from foolishness. And then we have the infamous Proverbs 13, 24. Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Now, of course, this verse has been very narrowly interpreted to mean spanking. You might have heard someone say, spare the rod, spoil the child. That phrase, though often used interchangeably with this verse, doesn't actually come from the Bible. So don't say that. In its original form, it means something very different. Uh, misunderstood like the other verse, this isn't a command for parents to spank their children. It is a warning that undisciplined children are the result of parents who don't love them enough to correct their childlike foolishness. Like the other one, this is more about the parent than the child. Here's the idea we should take away from these verses. Successful parenting is the result of intentional direction. As Andy and Sandra Stanley say in their parenting book, you'll never happen to drift the direction you want to go. You've got to have a plan. Your direction determines your destination. So where are you headed on your parenting journey? What are you aiming for? Do you even know? I will be totally honest with you. Didi and I didn't start out with a direction. We knew we wanted to raise kids who loved Jesus, but we didn't necessarily have the big picture in mind. 
Like most young parents with young children, we were far more focused on the daily battles than the long-term war. Not that our war was with our kids, though I'm sure it sometimes felt that way, but the war was for their hearts. As parents, we are fighting a war for our child's heart. Satan wants your kid's heart and will do just about anything to capture it. He is the enemy. He uses our institutions, which are under his domain for now, and the tools of our culture to try to capture those precious hearts. And he's good at what he does. The only way you will ever win your child's heart is through relationship. You will only ever influence your child's heart through relationship. Without relationship, you have no influence. You're going to want that influence for the rest of your life. The minute they close their heart off to you, you have no influence. You might still be able to force them to obey or compel them in, in some direction in the short term, but you will lose them in the long run if you rely on that method for your parenting strategy. Even though Didi and I didn't start out with the big picture in mind, aiming for the same target, we eventually got there when it was almost too late. Our kids were both in high school and things were dicey with regard to their hearts. It all came together during a particularly frustrating season with one of our kids, who shall remain nameless to protect the innocent. At some point, we realized that God didn't need us to tell that kid to let that kid know they were wrong. God is perfectly good at that without our help. Our kids knew they were just going to do whatever they wanted to do anyway. So we decided to take a long-term approach, which meant losing the current battle. Sometimes you have to lose a battle to win the war. So we decided that this was our goal. We wanted the opportunity to be fantastic grandparents. Now, you might think that is a selfish, totally non-biblical parenting style to adopt. But hear me out. For our kids to give us the opportunity to be fantastic grandparents meant they had to want to have a relationship with us. They had to want to be around us when they were no longer required to be around us. And it would have to be a healthy relationship. We knew that our relationship with Jesus wasn't going away. So our kids couldn't experience Jesus in us in a way that would be a barrier to them wanting to be around us. They had to trust us, knowing that we loved them as they were, where they were, even if they rejected Jesus. In reality, we loved them long before our Jesus became their Jesus. So that wasn't really all that hard for us. We loved them long before our Jesus became their Jesus. So why would we reject them if they chose to believe something else? Our love for them wasn't isn't conditional. Now, I am positive that many of you would agree with that sentiment. Your love for your kid is not conditional. But as someone who has been a kid who didn't believe that with any of his parents, and I had more parents than the average kid, as someone who has counseled more adults than I can count who didn't believe that about their parents, as someone who has talked to many of your kids and the other people your kids talk to who don't believe that, where does that leave us? Clearly, we have a problem. 
And if we're going to learn to parent with the relationship in mind, we're going to have to understand what that problem is. And in a nutshell, here it is. Do not miss this one. The problem is that your children do not have the same relationship with you that you have with them. This is so important, I'm going to repeat it. Your children do not have the same relationship with you that you have with them. As Andy and Sandra write in their book, it's not even close. You are relating to a child. Your child is relating to an adult. You are in a relationship with someone who is dependent. Your child is in a relationship with someone who holds all the cards. They are two very different relationships. It's not all that dissimilar from your relationship with your boss and your boss's relationship with you, except that it's permanent. You will always be the parent. They will always be the child. Even though the relationship changes when your child becomes an adult, this dynamic will impact the relationship for the rest of your lives. Now, this is where the teachings of Jesus can begin to help us out. Even though Jesus didn't, doesn't speak directly to parenting, he does speak to relationships. And since we're parenting with the relationship in mind, we're going to find some good stuff. As a reminder, Jesus gave us only one command to live by. Uh, the Jews before Jesus had 615 to live by. During his ministry, he narrowed it down to a twofer, two equal in importance commands. And then on the last night with his disciples, John 13, 34 tells us that he made it even simpler. He said, so now I am giving you a new commandment. That new commandment, he's, he's trumping all of the others. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. This is how you love God. Love each other as I have loved you, period, end of story. Except it really wasn't the end of the story, was it? This was such a revolutionary idea that no one knew how to do this practically. They had questions, lots of questions, and the Apostle Paul was charged with sorting it all out. In a beloved passage that is well known in and out of the church, even though it isn't lived out very well in and out of the church, he gave us some impractical instruction. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he says this about love. As I read this, put on your parenting cap. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Now we could, we could talk for hours about how these might apply to the relationship you are building with your kids, but let's just focus on the first sentence. Love is patient and kind. Now remember this is the context. Your children do not have the same relationship with you that you have with them. They physically and emotionally are unable to think the same way you think. In fact, they won't be able to think the same way you think until that part of their brain develops in their mid-20s. They do not have the breadth of experience that you have. They don't know what you know. They can't process as fast as you process. And you are one of the two most important people in the world they want to please. Love is patient. 
Love doesn't expect someone to keep up with them. Love slows down and meets someone where they are. Love honors the learning curve of someone else. Love isn't in a hurry. By the way, that doesn't mean that love doesn't hurry their children every now and then. Most of them have well honed the art of dawdling. But love isn't hurried as it hurries. Love patiently hurries. Love honors the capabilities of someone else. Love never makes someone feel less than because they can't keep up or they don't know how or they can't understand. Love is patient. In another letter, this time to the church in Ephesus, Paul wrote, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Love does not provoke. It is patient. It meets them where they are. Love is patient and love is kind. Your child does not have the same relationship with you that you have with them. They are learning literally everything. Just like they had to learn to eat by themselves and walk and talk, they are learning you. They are also learning you. They are listening to every word you say and every word you don't say, trying to understand what you are communicating. And it isn't just your words. They're watching your body language. They are learning what it means when you roll your eyes or get that tone of, of voice or purse your lips in that certain way. Your words and body language matter. Every word and interaction is internalized and begins to mold or continues to mold for those kids who are older their view of self. And it's not just how you talk to them, it's how moms talk to dads, how dads talk to moms, how moms talk about dads and dads talk about moms, how they both talk about other people. Love is kind. Kind love doesn't talk to our kids the way we talk to other people. Kind love also doesn't not talk to our kids the way we don't talk to other people. They are not peers or equals, and we shouldn't talk to them like they are. Kind love doesn't talk the same way to all of our kids. Every kid is different. Kindness meets each of them where they are developmentally and emotionally and speaks to each of them in ways that connect with the way each of them are wired to understand. And love doesn't argue with our kids. It is not kindness to argue with your kids. Arguing is for peers and equals. Your kids are neither. Even when they goad you into it, uh, you, your words have too much power for you to step into the ring with them. In fact, when you do, you've lost. You've allowed your children to bait you into abdicating your role in their lives. The best response when your kids try to get your goat, and they will, is to not rise to the occasion. Just because they choose to use words as a weapon doesn't mean that you should. In fact, when your kid says, I don't even believe in God anymore, or some other nonsense like that, as, and as they get into middle and high school, uh, I can almost guarantee you that there will be worse. So whenever they try to get your goat with some inflammatory statement, don't freak out by whatever their definition of you freaking out is. Their definition of you freaking out is different from yours. 
In fact, the best response is a thoughtful, okay, tell me more about that. They probably don't know, and you've called them on their bluff. They were just trying to win at any cost. They were trying to claim a sense of personal power at a moment when they feel powerless. If by chance they can tell you more about that, don't try to change their minds and, or convince them to believe differently. The goal is relationship. Keep the relationship. You can't keep a conversation going if you blow up the relationship. You are playing a long game. They can only see what's in front of their faces. Someone has to keep their eye on the goal and you drew the short straw. So just listen. You are smart enough to circle back around at some point in the future when everyone's emotions aren't off the chart. Kindness just listens. Besides, you can't win an argument with your son or daughter. I mean, did you ever say to your mother or your father, oh, you're right, dad. What was I thinking? I'm so sorry. Thank you for helping me see the error of my ways. No, you didn't. So don't go there. And by the way, the book I recommended during our evangelism series might be a good resource if you want to have strategic conversations about touchy subjects with your kids. It's called Tactics, and we have them at the bookstore. You and your kid are not equals. It is not a kindness to pretend that, they are, that you are. Unless they are adults, you are not friends. You are the parent. They are the child. Don't abdicate your role. You don't have the same relationship, so don't pretend like you do. Now, parenting with the relationship in mind takes a lot of faith on the part of any parent. It takes great faith to choose to lose a, a short-term battle so you can hopefully win the long-term war for their heart. There's a lot at risk. You know that, and I know that. They don't. You have to trust that just as God knew what he was doing with you, he knows what he's doing with them. The night that Josh was arrested and sent to juvie was a very challenging, very sleepless night for Didi and me. All of the what-ifs were running through our minds. All of the worst-case scenarios were playing on repeat all night long. It was torture. Some of you know from personal experience what we're talking about. You've been there with your kid. At some point during the night, I was still enough to hear God speaking to my spirit. And he reminded me of a couple of very familiar verses found in Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Now, as I went over those words again and again in my mind, as clear as day, I heard him say, Chris... I love Josh more than you ever could. You can trust me with Josh. And those words became a mantra almost over the, next, the course of the next 10 months as we walked with Josh through the court process that left him with an expunged record. We're still trusting him with Josh. And while we can't claim the non-existent promise of Proverbs 22, we are claiming the promise of Galatians 6, 9 which says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. So we just continue to plant seeds of patience and kindness 
The rest is in God's hand. We just have to wait it out. Now, before we transition to prayer and then worship, we've based this series on Andy and Sandra Stanley's book, Parenting, Getting It Right. Hands down, it is the, it is the best book on parenting that the pastors have ever read. It is right there at the top. It is solidly biblically based, even though they've written it for a broader audience. And I think every parent should invest in a copy, maybe even every grandparent. Uh, we have some at the bookstore at a discount off the retail price. I can't recommend it enough. Let's pray. Father, you have given us a great privilege and a great responsibility in becoming parents. Uh, you have entrusted so much to our care. And there's, there's not anyone here in this room or anyone watching online who wants to do a bad job at parenting. For that, we need your help. We need your wisdom. We need you to help us know which, which short-term battles to, to lose by choice for, in order to, to gain the long-term win and which ones that we, we actually do need to win. We do need to win some of those short-term battles. But even in that, teach us how to win them with grace and with patience and kindness. Father, we pray for healthy, healthier families. No matter what the family makeup might look like, whether it's a, a single home or a dual home, whether it's grandparents raising grandkids or some other scenario. We pray for healthy families. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Let me encourage you to download the discussion guide by selecting Watch from the top menu of our website. Working through those questions on your own or with others will help the truth of God's word begin to shape your life as you grow to be like Jesus. Please reach out if you have any questions or want help on your spiritual journey. My email address is on the screen, or you can call the church during the week. If you are just checking us out today, please know that we don't expect you to give anything to support Dayspring. We count it a privilege to play a small part in God's perfect work in you today. The people who call Dayspring their home church make this ministry possible. Their faithful giving is proof of God's work in their lives, and they want to pay it forward so you can experience the same life-changing presence of Jesus. For those of you who would like to start giving, we have three easy ways for you to get us your gift. Please see the online giving section of our website, or text GIVE to the number on your screen, or mail a check to us at the address you'll find on our website. Until we meet again, I am praying that God would give you opportunities to use your influence for the glory of His kingdom. And one more thing. Thank you for liking and sharing and following Dayspring on whatever platform you connect with us. Thank you for rating us where that is appropriate. Even more, thank you for sharing our services with your friends and family. If this service was a blessing to you, it'll probably be a blessing to someone else too. 
God uses you to plant seeds in other people's lives. So keep sowing.